It's time to clip your last good piece and dig in because the runout starts now. Today's show is brought to you by Outdoor Research. Outdoor Research was born from the cold, snowy womb of the Alaska Range by climbers up against some of the harshest conditions in alpinism. Since those days on the edge in the 80s, OR has committed itself to creating apparel and gear not just for keeping conditions at bay, but for making sure you have fun and look good along the way. Beauty and function are two guiding principles at OR. The result? Gear you can count on during your deepest adventures and most satisfying journeys. Check it all out at OutdoorResearch.com or your favorite local shop. It was only a few weeks ago that the Donwall seized the Mylar throne as best climbing movie ever made and thrust a misunderstood Kevin Jorgensen deeply into our hearts. Incidentally, the Mylar throne is made from melted-down Masters of Stone VCR cassettes. But like a resplendent child emperor, the Donwall, though magnificent, has been cleanly eviscerated after its very brief reign by this week's release of Free Solo. Jimmy Chin, Chai Vassarelli, and Alex Honnold's film of Honnold's incredible free solo of the free rider on El Cap has delivered an awesome portrait of obsession, dedication, and accomplishment. And simply put, the most astounding climbing footage ever filmed. Andrew Bishrat and I finally gave up on receiving our invitations to any of the premieres and bought tickets for a showing in Aspen, Colorado at the historic Wheeler Opera House. The raucous crowd, often too raucous for our tastes, was comprised mostly of outdoor enthusiasts very likely familiar with Alex Honnold and Jimmy Chin, and no doubt the entire local climbing community was there. On today's show, we give you our thoughts on Free Solo, the climbing film that crushes all other climbing films like Alex crushed the Freerider. And of course, spoiler alert, we all know that Alex Free Soloed the Freerider without plummeting to his death, but we also reveal a few other twists and turns of the film, like the fact that this time, Alex Honnold is the only one alive, and we've all been dead the whole time. You're listening to the Runout Podcast. Are you, have your palms stopped sweating? Yeah, they're, they're pretty good. I, you know, I made this joke on the internet before uh, going to see this thing where I, you know, had this little picture of a wet you know, palm shape on a, on a piece of paper towel. And then actually, you know, it turned out to be quite real to the point where when I stood up and shook the hands of the guys who I'd met sitting next to me to say goodbye, everybody was just like, ugh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know I was, I, I, my heart rate was elevated for about 15 minutes at the end of the film. And, yeah. uh, and just, yeah, just the palm sweat. I, I just thought that was like a over the top joke, you know? But it was a real, real experience. Well, I, I'd had it. I mean, I actually got it watching the trailer. So I knew that it was going to be like that. But the little fear, uh, heart rate thing, too, was exhilarating, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a horror movie, kind of, but a different, more of a familiar sort of feeling than what you get watching a scary movie that's, you know, full of frights. It was wild. I mean, I, I walked out of there really stoked and really blown away and you know, I can be cynic, cynical about climbing media for sure. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, I thought it wasn't flawless. You know, we'll talk about at least one thing that almost ruined it for me, but man, it was a pretty good movie. Yeah. I thought it was exceptional. I mean, we were kind of like wondering if it was 10 or 20 times better than the Don Wall film. Yeah. That was kind of the debate right afterward. 
which um, is, a, I mean, it is a, that's, which and the Donwall film is just so good too. So it was, uh, I mean, yeah, good, good on climbers and good on climbing right now to be, uh, representing so strongly in, yeah. uh, in the theaters right now. Yeah, it was, it was, I thought it was nice of them to let Donwall be like the best climbing movie ever made for two weeks. Um, <laughs> You know, and I, I'm sure that those guys are probably kicking themselves for, you know, letting it simmer for three years because uh, it just happened to simultaneous. I mean, the the free solo came out in, I think, what is pretty normal amount of time between the event and the, you know, putting the whole movie together. And the Donwall was pretty delayed. So yeah. um, they might be kicking themselves for having them end up coming out pretty simultaneously. But whatever kudos to everybody on both sides of that um they're, 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 what's so interesting too is that they're almost while both being climbing films i feel like they're almost completely different genres of movie um in that the dawn wall film is this very linear uh story about it's, it's kind of just like the classic climbing film uh narrative except much bigger and better and um the the dawn wall film is this very dark character portrait uh you know so it's almost like a, a different genre of documentary it's not even an, almost about the you know the fact that he free solos El cap it's it's about a portrait of this guy who's obsessive and uh you know has these quirks and um and, and so i feel like they're almost two different two different completely genres of film yeah, I mean, it's like one was sort of a buddy movie, yeah, and the other one was kind of a rom com. So, <laughs> well, calm, but I, I disagree with the calm part. I, I felt I walked out of that feeling um, a little bit melancholy about just Honold's character, and uh, I actually thought it was odd a lot of the things that people were laughing at in the theaters. Um, you know, the, the jokes that Honold was making that on the surface were meant, you know, sort of meant to be funny, but kind of masking this, uh, you know, depressive sort of lonely uh, nature that I think he has. Yeah. And, and to to sort of preface that, there are a lot of laughs. I mean, people laugh out loud during the yeah. movie. And, and, you know, sometimes, you know, Alex is making a joke or one of the other other people in it are making an actual joke. But I think a lot of it is is just to do with his his bluntness, you know, is so it's kind of shocking. So it's sometimes it's shocking laughter as well um, mm. in terms of his bluntness to um, his girlfriend, Sonny, and and just the whole situation in terms of how he views it sort of versus how kind of a normal person would view view it. And mm -hmm. uh, to say a normal person is also kind of at the heart of this movie is just how interesting and unusual uh, Alex Honnold is, even in climbing. And climbing is full of like really eccentric and unusual people. But he's he's just a very, very interesting character, uh, whether he's in this kind of movie or not. Mm -hmm. I, th I think the big elephant in the room with Alex Honnold is wh what what is it about him that allows him to do what he does and what's driving him? Nobody's really ever come up with a satisfactory answer to that question. And uh, I think this movie does a pretty good job at, at pointing us down some compelling leads that, that lead to answers, but it's, it's still a mystery in my opinion. Um, I think this film certainly does a lot more to shed light on um, what makes Honold Honold, but I think he's still, you know, an enigma in some ways. And, and I think that's part of the appeal of the film is that it, it doesn't come to a definitive conclusion. It, it leaves it open to interpretation. 
Yeah, and I also kind of noted in my mind that this crowd, we're at the Wheeler in Aspen, and it's a very hometown crowd to this valley, and a lot of climbers were in the house. And if a lot of people weren't climbers, they were you know, skiers and outdoor adventurers and sort of extreme sports people. So I was kind of curious about, you know, the reaction we had as a group versus what, you know, just a theater of moviegoers that have a slight interest in this sort of thing, or maybe have heard about this movie and, and want to check it out, but don't have a climbing background, whether the the laughs and the cheers and the things would have come at the same same point or with the kind of enthusiasm uh, that we had kind of having the understanding. Yeah. And just on that, just as a tangent, I brought this up last night that there's always that one guy in the audience who's just like a little over enthusiastic about hooting and hollering and clapping and laughing and, you know, Hootie McHooterson up in the balcony and Clappy McClapperson down in the front row. And you're just like, God, just just let the film like you don't have to like let everyone know that uh, you're so fired up right now. About well, yeah, it. <laughs> you're absolutely right. It's this, you want to signal to the crowd that you sort of have this deeper understanding than the rest of us, I think, in a lot of ways. The guy who is clap, who is doing all of that clapping and hooting is understood shit the least, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree Like he, Yeah, he's, he seemed like he's, he like drank like four monster energy drinks before watching the film and like was probably going into the half pipe you know, in the in buttermilk in a month from now. Yeah, for sure. Dropping so, into that thing. Yeah. Um, as long as it starts snowing, but that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> um, so what about, uh, what about flaws? Like I said, I think t- the two of us, when we walked out of there last night, um, it would have been great to do this immediately, but actually some, some ruminating probably is appropriate. But uh, what do you think? Honestly, dude, when, I, when I walked out of that film, I was just kind of so my anxiety was kind of just so high still. I was, I was having a hard time just processing mm-hmm. basic emotions. I don't have the amygdala of, of Alex Honnold. So was, <laughs> yeah, w- watching the movie makes that like abundantly clear <laughs> yeah. that I can't even watch somebody do that, let alone do it or come close to doing it. I think that also it must be far wor- worse to watch than to, uh, you know, cause you're out of control. Like just anything, you know, you just want, we have this instinct to want to control a situation when we're not in control. Mm-hmm. And the only person in, in that whole scenario is who's in control is Honnold. And so I think it is in some ways worse for everyone else watching. Well, there's sort of this subplot that's happening in the film about the anxiety that the the camera guys have, um, particular Jimmy Chin and, and Mikey Schaefer. Yeah, yeah. Um, they kind of focus in on that. And, and it is kind of, it is pretty compelling stuff. And also, you know, to note that in a lot of ways, those guys are far more worried about it than Alex is. Mm-hmm. Um, they're far more worried about the climb and the possibility of, you know, filming someone's death or whether or not, the, you know, the age old question is, is if the camera changes the motivations of the climber or of the person being filmed, you know, so would they feel responsible? Um, so that, that's kind of this whole thing that's going on in the background. But just ironic that these guys that are filming it are like appear to be much more anxious about the whole endeavor than Alex ever is. So let's get to the thing that's stuck in your craw, which I know you're anxious to talk about. Well, it, it happens early in the film and, you know, to the point of it actually sort of making me angry early in the film, there's sort of, it's a lot of the quick cut kind of stuff, setting it all up. And, uh, it, it did fall into this, um, kind of, I think trope of, 
you know, wanting to make sure that we all understood like how serious and how like extreme this all was. There's a quote from Tommy Caldwell about how all all the people who've ever taken free soloing seriously have died. And then they cut to three examples, um, Sean Leary, Stanley, um, Derek Hersey, and Dean Potter, and they just kind of blast through all this imagery around um, those guys. And also Osman. Oh, yeah, Dan Osman. First of all, the statement by Tommy, which they, you know, they've, they manipulated that quote from him because he did qualify it. He said in person he qualified it because – you know, a few minutes later, they cut to uh, some scenes with Peter Croft, who happens to be a, someone who dedicated his life to free soloing and lived. But the other option was that, you know, of all those examples, three of them didn't die free soloing at all. There's two base mm-hmm. jumping accidents. And um, in the case of Osman, you know, he jumped off with the rope on and it broke. So it, it just was like, it just seemed like such a weird choice in what is a documentary to kind of like gloss over that and leave anyone who doesn't know the history of it, the impression that all those people died free soloing. And I don't know what the families and friends of those guys would feel about it, but it, it just seems like a strange use of that. Um, because it's almost like they had to reach to find examples of their, their supposed statement about how all these free solars die free soloing. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure how explicitly it was stated. It, I don't think they made the claim that these all these free soloists died free soloing. We're saying all these like prominent free soloists were dead now, which is true. But I think that there, um, it, it was um, disingenuous to to uh, present the idea that I, I mean, obviously, you make the connection that they died free soloing, and, and as you're pointing out, you know, half the people they mentioned died in other doing other dangerous sports. Well, if they had five uh, examples, then more than half. I actually don't know if there is a, an example of a free soloist who died actually pushing themselves on a hard free solo. Yeah, I, mean, I was Hersey, to think of Hersey, it Hersey died on a five nine. He was like soloing five elevens at the time, you know, which is like world class, cutting edge grade. Uh, Backer died on a five nine or ten. Well, after you know surviving decades of free soloing. Uh, at much higher levels. And then, um, I mean, Uli Steck was soloing in the mountains, but uh, I think the details of that are just, again, he was just kind of on terrain that where he shouldn't have fallen. It was just kind of easy, easy-ish ground. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then the other guys were just, you know, Osmond was rope jumping and then Stanley and Potter were wingsuit base jumping. And so, I, yeah, I mean, it is a, an interesting aspect of the sport that it is so dangerous, and yet it's one of these things where no one has really died doing it at, at a high level. And, and Honold could have certainly become that person. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Yeah. The, you know, and, and not to we'll, – we'll leave this point behind, but I also thought it was unnecessary. I mean, we don't – it's like the movie itself plays out how – scary and dangerous what he did was you, mm-hmm. you know it was like an unnecessary little bit of of sort of glam misinformation i thought um, yeah, yeah and and, and it, again it was like five minutes in and i was just like i I, I did one of those like double takes around the auditorium because i know half the people there n- know the details of those accidents and mm-hmm. it was just kind of like what what you know 
okay, all right, well, I guess that's going to be that kind of movie. But the fact is, is that a few minutes later, I'd forgotten about it because it had, you know, it had drawn me into the point of not really worrying about it too much. Right. Yeah, I I think that's a good uh, good point of criticism. Um, I I don't think I had any criticism. I mean, at the beginning of the film, I was very it was kind of jarring the way that they had cut everything together and, you know, we were jumping from one thing to the next. And, uh, but, and and I was kind of searching for this very linear structural, uh, narrative to take place. But the, the whole film sort of goes like that, where it's very fluidly like scenes just go from fluidly move from one situation to the next, you know, time is different in every scene and, and it, it becomes a feature of the film. And, um, and so I ended up liking that by the end of the end of the movie. I don't know if it's a, if it's a new form or an unusual form, I was trying to think of other films that documentaries that include the stories of the guys who are actually filming the documentary, Mm -hmm. you know, this, uh, you know, to overuse a phrase meta, it's, it's very interesting because then I'm like, well, what's the fourth wall is actually the guys filming the guys filming. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's like this two stage, like, uh, you know, fourth wall in terms of like, of, of how it's sort of presented. And, right. you know, there was a little bit of that in Meru with, with kind of getting behind, um, Renan's situation, but you know, he was still a full on climber and member of that expedition. But, uh, yeah, I was just trying to think of a way in which that's been done, but, but then when you think about it, you've got Jimmy Chin, who's such this character in his own right. So I guess it makes sense to, you know, to sort of pull his story into it or his feelings into it as well. Although mm-hmm. I think Mikey Schaefer, in terms of that storyline, was kind of the more interesting character in that, at least the way they presented it. What do you think of the, do you think that the, um, that the Jimmy and those guys are going to get any flack for, uh, you know, claiming that they were uncomfortable with, you know, the ethics behind, uh, documenting their friend free soloing and doing this dangerous thing. And then, but then still going forth and doing it. Well, I think that it deserves, uh, I mean, it, I think that it deserves to be pressed with mm-hmm. them. Uh, I mean, I, I have an, if I had an opportunity to talk to either one of them, I would press it because, you know, I've heard it before. I've been hearing it for 30 years. Uh, of, you know, before filming, you know, taking still photos and things and everybody expresses the concern and everybody that I know of hangs out and shoots the shot and gets the footage because it's so compelling for one thing to be honest. I mean, to go fully cynical, it's profitable. It's, it's stuff that will get printed. It will get made into something and, you know, it's pretty good stuff. So it's sort of like crocodile tears if if that's the right phrase in terms of like well I don't know if I should or I don't know if I should but you always do. So right. I may, maybe someone can contact me and talk to me about how they refused the paycheck um out of principle but nobody seems to to do it in in my purview anyway. I I thought that the film handled this question fairly well um and and I was convinced that Honold was doing it for the right reasons. You know, he, he went up there the first time and backed off and was like, I don't like the fact that all the, there's all these camera guys here and I don't, you know, really want you hanging near me. Um, and he kind of put his foot down a, a little bit about that. And so mm-hmm. they came up with a solution to that by 
you know, fixing cameras to the wall. And, and, and there's a couple scenes that they inserted, and I think it was only for this purpose where it shows, you know, it shows the dialogue that takes place with Jimmy and Alex about, you know, the level of comfort. And you can kind of really see the that dynamic play out where it's like, oh, no, you know, and I, I know it's cool if uh, I think Alex said something like, yeah, if I if I didn't want you guys here, I would just go solo this by myself. You know, I wouldn't tell anyone. And, and so I don't feel um, the pressure to do this, you know, but of course, he, then he admits that I'd be screwing, you know, you guys, my friends by doing that. I mean, think about what a gift it is that we have footage of this event taking place. And, and we have Jimmy Chin to thank for that, right? Because the, 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 um, the news that we all heard about last year that Alex Honnold free soloed El Cap is one thing, but then to see it, what that actually means and looks like is it's magnitudes different. And so Climbing is always going to be struggling to uh, to just communicate what what just how rad it is, right? And, and the visuals that the films and the photos and the stories that come out of what we do are the the very things that allow us to just communicate how special that is. Yeah, and the footage of him on the traverse, the uh, the free rider traverse, the five twelve at the top is. I mean, it's. That's where your that's where your heart rate starts to go, and you really start to sweat. It is astounding what they yeah. what they filmed on that. Just, I mean, it gives me goosebumps right now just remembering it and talking about it. And I, frankly, I would love to see some cut someday where they put an honest, real time, at least as much as they have, just silent footage of him climbing it, or not silent, but just you know the wind and him breathing and them talking or whatever, and. I mean, I would watch whatever. It took him three hours and some minutes yeah. of that. I mean, I would, I would unquestionably sit down and watch that um, as close as they could get. I know, but it would be like a, it'd be like some endurance route of your own, you know, <laughs> just like, can I get through this? You know what I mean? But I mean, just to see all the bits and pieces, because you know, the, the the film follows his relationship with his girlfriend Sonny for much of it, and then there's some amazing you know, about 15 minutes or so, I would guess, uh, although it seemed like it lasted for forever, of actual footage of him climbing. But I could watch, I mean, there's so many parts of it. If they had it on film, I would just so dive in and watch it. So last year I wrote a, a blog post on Evening Sense about how I thought that this was potent, a contender uh, for one of the, if not the greatest sporting achievement in history, um, simply because of just, how astounding it is and how few people would ever be able to do something like this. And I got criticism from people who were just like, nah, nah, it's just a mental, it's all like a mental game. Like anybody can do it, but it's just mental. Like, like it's like playing Sudoku or something. <laughs> and, uh, and so I don't know, I, I would, it would be interesting to, uh, to hear the, the commentary from the naysayers now, if, if they go and see that film and see just see how physical and athletic it is that what he actually achieved and someone asked me sort of my i my thought of it um having climbed that route and um a lot of people have climbed both the free rider and, and the south a which is much of the free rider there's just a few variations off the south a and you know it's hard for me to understand what other people think of it but definitely having been up there on those holds making those moves 
as recently as as this spring on the free blast, which is um, Alex, you know, last year and in this movie reported that that was one of the things that was stopping him was these five eleven slabs on the free blast. Not he fell and he fell and like hurt his ankle. Yeah, on that on pitch six or whatever while training. Yeah, while training yeah. for this thing, and so you know, and and so just being up there last year and you know knowing he had free soloed it now versus the previous time i did the mental game of climbing it without you know thinking every move i was thinking like okay what if i didn't have this rope on it and i just fully scared the crap out of myself to the point where i didn't even send the pitch and i had sent it a number of times previously but i got so wigged out that um you know as soon as i was like a little ways above the bolt on on like desperate no hold climbing i was like losing it because yeah. you know i'd sent myself there mentally and i didn't even have the fortitude like to come back and realize that i had a rope on <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i sometimes do that too where i'm climbing and i'm just like i start talking to myself and i'm like just imagine you don't have a rope on and i just start climbing so fucking badly yeah totally. like i just start over gripping and like my footwork goes to shit and like so I'm clearly not, and there's that point in the movie where Honold and Croft are like reminiscing like two old jokers about, you know, they're like, yeah, yeah, your footwork gets so good when you're soloing. And I saw, I, re, I was thinking it during that part, I was like, that is not true for me. And that is why I don't do this. Yeah. It gets worse and worse. <laughs> it gets worse and shaky worse. and shit. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> yeah, I thought the Peter, I'm a big Peter Croft fanboy, And so I really enjoyed his kind of like old crusty wisdom from uh, from beyond, so to speak, and um, I thought his little parts in the movie were were really compelling, actually. So the um, one detail I did find out the those uh, dr- we thought they were drone shots of Hellcap. Oh yeah, they were actually um, they shot that from a helicopter. Okay. The um, I guess the park service dude, you know, Jimmy worked with him for, he just pressed him for months, like trying to get him to, to figure out a way to use a drone. And, um, and it just was a no go. And so they looked at the current rules and there's like, uh, I think it's 6,000 feet above the Valley floor is no longer considered to be in Yosemite. Uh-huh. And so they rented a helicopter and flew it at 6,000 feet and shot like just some mega expensive Hollywood camera that they rented uh, to get those kind of drone close-up aerial shots of the top of El Cap, mm. okay. um, which apparently pissed off the the ranger, but he conceded that you know that they did indeed play by the rules in yes. order to get those get that footage. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. you know, whatever one day or two days where there was a helicopter up there, it's like I I thought you were going to say they they faked a rescue. Um, so they could bring a helicopter in or something like that. <laughs> well, cool. You got anything else you want to talk about with this thing? Um, man, I just think it's this great film and I just can't stop thinking about it. It's been, we saw it last night and that's all I've been thinking about this morning. So I'm psyched to go see it again. Yeah, actually I, I am too. I, I, I'm surprised at myself of wanting to go see it again, but, um, I think there's a lot of details in there that you're so awestruck that I think you're missing them um, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. So I think it'd be a great film to see twice. And, you know, the, my only other beef is that, you know, once again, the Enorma cast, now the run out podcast, and you work for National Geographic sometimes. And what, we didn't get to go to a premiere somewhere? What's going I on? I mean, 
Where yeah, are our invitations? I know. We need to we need to get on the red carpet somehow. We had to sit in the room with Mr. Clappy Clappington, just like everybody else. <laughs> yeah, that really puts it in that just drives it home and just how low we are in the totem pole. <laughs> in the media totem pole. <laughs> Actually, they're probably afraid we're going to be that guy. So they don't want us at any of those premieres. That's true. (laughs) If you have a comment, topic suggestion, or just a good bit of climbing trivia, join us at our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash runoutpodcast or drop us a line at our webpage runoutpodcast.com. <laughs>